This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, folks? My Take Radio, episode 114 for Thursday, November 3rd, 2011. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter 2's Frets of Fury, and the artist was Vertex Guy. You can download that and any of the other previously used intro music at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number is 347-324-3541. Lots of stuff to discuss. I want to definitely discuss what happened with the uh, Brawling for Boobies event. I also want to discuss some of the feedback I got from the uh, hate-filled rant from the last week, which was uh, super emotion, very annoyed, etc etc there's some stuff that needs to be discussed with regards to that and there there hasn't been quote-unquote backlash but there's definitely been some some commentary that's made its way in my direction which is fine that will that will also be addressed but um let's just get the housekeeping out of the way first uh mtr forums self-explanatory there will be no more 90-day purges of accounts i've realized i'm just gonna let it play out if the forum content improves then I will keep it that way. If not, brought like I've said in previous episodes, we plan on phasing out the forums in January. I think that probably we're going to start moving certain parts of the forums into the fan page, just because there's more of of I guess there's more engagement on Facebook. Let's just go with that. Same thing with Twitter. Lots of engagement on Twitter. Facebook though is a little bit more controlled. I'll miss certain aspects of the forum, but People just aren't really embracing the forum model anymore. I can't always bring the forum back at another point. Maybe something a little smaller, not as broken up. And um, we'll take it from there. So come January, we will probably do away with the forums. Simple as that. Our Facebook fan page, we are quickly approaching 1,700 fans. And I'd like to put fans in quotes, which I'll discuss in the monologue only because... There's a couple of things with regards to that, but we'll get to it. MTR is now on iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, Blog Talk Radio, Blackberry Podcasts. Um, We're pretty much everywhere. And the only reason that I wanted to open with that is because I've been getting a couple of things here and there from people that are just not sure which version of the show to listen to and I contemplated writing a post about it so everybody can just get the breakdown but I figured this would be the easiest way live episodes are on blog talk radio first and um, what ends up happening is those episodes get edited usually post 
post live episode I start editing. I try to have them up by Friday or Saturday. So if you want the post show version, no edits with the Blog Talk Radio sound, you can use the Blog Talk Radio RSS feed or go straight to the page and you can listen to it there. Edited shows get edited to 64K stereo. Those shows go on iTunes, our our app, excuse me, our app, and last but not least, they also go in the Stitcher feed as well. Those are 64K episodes. Those get edited and go there. That feed also feeds the Blueberry updates. It also feeds BlackBerry podcast. That RSS feed handles that aspect of it. You can listen to the show live on Blog Talk Radio and on Mixler. That's pretty much it. Two live components and a whole bunch of other ways for you to get it. No excuses. If you want all the exclusive stuff, get the Stitcher app or get the MTR app. It's as easy as that. I just wanted to clear it up. I think that some people, they've heard me mention so many things on air that I figured I'd give people a refresher course. That's how it works. Blog Talk Radio for the live stuff. Mixler for the live stuff, everything else for edited versions of the show. It's as easy as that. If for some reason you want to hear the show ASAP and you don't want to wait till it gets on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio feed is your best bet. The Mixler page for us also has it, so you can actually look for it on the My Take Radio fan page, and that should answer all your questions. One thing with Stitcher, though, is you don't need to download any MP3s to put onto your mobile devices. You can actually stream the episodes directly to your devices via Wi-Fi or 3G or 4G. Not only that, but if you use the Stitcher app and you enter my take as the promo code when you download it, you'll be entered to win a $100 gift card courtesy of, of, of course, MTR and Stitcher. So that's another way you can do it. The cool thing with Stitcher is besides iPhone and Android devices, it works on WebOS, which is fucking dead. And BlackBerry as well. So you end up actually getting a couple of different devices that you can use with that. I'm also working on putting the show on Boxy and Roku as well. And also the Miro Marketplace. Once that's up, I'll start putting most of the MTR TV content because those are all video feeds. And we'll take it from there. If you've seen the review we did recently for the Wildfire S, you see that we're starting to do more video I actually wanted to do a video about the event we just did and kind of thank everybody, I guess, quote-unquote, face-to-face. I decided not to go that route only because it. I just want to close the door on this and the, the last mention of it will happen this week, and that'll be that. Our Get Glue check-ins are increasing every week. Again, if you're using Get Glue, we appreciate it. It's a great way to gauge how many people are checking into the show. I am... Just waiting on them for the whole sticker situation. I've stopped asking. They know I need them. They know I want to set them up. But they're swamped with a ton of other shit. And to be quite honest, I know that we're we're a Get Glue user, but it's not something where they're going to fucking beat down the door and do this for us. So when they get to it, I'll let you know. Our t-shirts are live. You can head over to the MTR store tab on MyTakeRadio.com. Get yourself an MTR t-shirt made on a... Nice American Apparel, not cheapskate t-shirt, so you can get one there with our MTR logo. Hopefully we're going to have some other ones done in the coming weeks, and you'll be able to pick that up. 
been having some design issues with different artists not being able to reach them, etc., etc., etc. But you can get some shirts there if you want some hoodies or whatnot. Let me know. I'll put them up as well. You can get double XL stuff also. So if you're a a bigger dude or a bigger girl, by all means, have, we we can accommodate that. So just ask. We are guest free this week. No guests. I was supposed to be joined by pro elite ring girl uh, Jennifer Swift, but she actually had some travel issues and we just couldn't pin down a time. So she will not be joining us this week. That was my original plan. It was either going to be for the live show or for our app exclusive series, which we're going to work on getting more stuff for that in the coming weeks. The only thing with that is that some people were asking me, do I need to buy the app to listen to that stuff? And the answer is yes. The only other way you're going to get it is by using the Stitcher app. But that's only because we want to help grow our audience on Stitcher as well. The MTR app is $1.99. Don't be fucking cheap. Put off the Starbucks for a day and you can get the app and get access to the exclusive stuff. And it's getting heard because we're getting great feedback. We're getting some really solid numbers. Um, our interview with Misty from the Naughty Nerd, I think, was downloaded like 250, 300 times. And that was only on the basis of us promoting it and then her posting a link later on. So word of mouth travels fast. You can hear all those interviews via the app or via Stitcher. All right. Tonight's topics. UFC 137, The Ultimate Fighter, The Muppets Invading Raw. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We also have some what-the-fuck movie news. And boy, is is the last news story of the night going to be a doozy. We got that. We got some gaming stuff as well. Not too much because even though there's big gaming stories coming out, we're getting into the high-pressure holiday release schedule. So, you know, we got your Battlefields, your Call of Duties, Arkham City. So that stuff is pretty much the main focus on a lot of fronts because nobody wants to go and take away from these new titles that are out. So you're going to get some stuff, but it's going to be probably during those dead periods and later in late November and early December. That's when most of the move, the, the, the major gaming news will come out. So we'll give you some stuff with regards to that. Talk a little bit about GTA five. Simple as that. The opening monologue for this week is about, the Brawling for Boobies event. We ended up finishing the event with $445, if I'm correct. I can't pull up the sheet now, but we got $445. We got donations pretty much up until today from certain people. So those of you that donated, you know who you are. You have my deepest thanks. You guys have received emails. Even though they are auto-generated, they are really genuine thanks from me and from those that were involved in this event so don't think that we don't appreciate it we do but um i wanted to talk about what happened last week briefly only because like i said i don't want to beat this into the ground right after the show was over you know a couple of people donated and a couple of people reached out and voiced um their 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 support their quote-unquote support for what we're doing, and um, it was fine, you know, it's cool, you know, you reach out, you say you're supporting, but 
telling telling somebody you support them and showing somebody you support them are two different things. And wow, that was my phone telling me I have a Twitter message. I'm sure that's somebody listening to what I have to say. One of the people that probably DM'd me this week. But as I was saying, you know, a couple a couple of different people reached out. They're like, hey man, you know, we're, we're sorry or. You know, we we wish we could have donated, blah, blah, blah. You know, all the typical stuff. Partly, I think it was genuine. Partly, I think people were just full of shit and realized that the the helpful door that was open with information from me was going to be shut in their face, which it, it really has been. I mean, most of my emails have been quiet. Most of my shit has been quiet. And I'm glad. Because like I said, I'd rather, I'd rather have 100 people that are that are ride or die than a thousand people that are fickle and are ready to complain at the drop of a hat and aren't willing to to step up when we need them you know everything about the show that we do for you guys is completely free we don't ask for shit we don't we don't go out of our way to to get money out of anybody what we do we do because we give a fuck about what we do and and personally uh, personally i like sharing my opinions with you guys it's three hours it's it's a long time you know there, there's a lot of preparation that goes into it so i enjoy what i do and to see that much of a of a non-reaction set me over the edge especially with people that said they were going to show at the event and play and donate and all this shit and they didn't do a fucking thing and those fuckers know who they are Oh yeah, dude, I'll be there Friday. We're gonna fucking rock it. You know who the fuck you are. You're a piece of shit. Don't ask me for nothing. Fuck you very much. There are others that were involved and, and you know, they kind of just stepped back and let me shoulder the load, which is fine. I don't mind, I don't mind, you know, carrying it. It's, it, it was something I came up with and that's fine. But don't expect the same shit to the same courtesy extended to you when you want something because you know it doesn't cost nothing to to promote it a little a little more especially if if your name is attached to it that's all i'm saying other than that i'm proud and i and i feel honored to have done the event only because we got something it wasn't what i wanted it wasn't a thousand bucks it wasn't even 2000 or 5000 or 8000 it was it was $445 450 if you want to count um one other donation which was given cash which I got to submit in there but it's it's disheartening it's, it's disheartening to find out who's really down and who's not and I got one or two tweets a couple of well I got three direct messages from different people and they were like you know you kind of came out and you shit on your audience, and, you know, a lot of people will not support you if, if that's how you're going to treat your audience. And I responded with the following. When you go to work, you expect to get paid. And the person responded, yeah. And I'm like, well, if you go to work and expect to get paid, I expect that if we do something more than 20 people will step up to help. It's that simple. And they were like, yeah, but you know, with the economy. And I said, give me a fucking break. Five bucks is five bucks. Seriously. 
You you can do a dollar a day for five days and it's still five dollars. Stop stop the bullshit. And I told the person, I'm like, look, if you feel that strongly about it, then unsubscribe. And they were like, no, 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 you know, I, I like what you do. I just think that it was not something that people were ready to hear out of you. Which I found to be total bullshit because I come on this show and I say terrible shit about everything. I don't give a fuck. I make fun of people that are sometimes dead. People that are... I, I pull no punches with it. I have limits, but what I do for three hours is just an extension of not having a filter. That's it. So in short, I just want to close things out and, and put put the uh, the stamp on this by saying thanks to those of you that donated, those of you that didn't donate, that didn't donate, fuck you very much, and you know, I never forget. <laughs> it's as simple as that, and as fucked up as it sounds, I I tend to hold grudges, I do, and you know, I'm I'm willing to pull out you know shit out of a, out of the closet to remind people of, of some of the shit they've done but those are the people those people that stepped up man you guys are are 100% down those of you that donated in honor of of people that that was that was huge especially because you know you're doing it for more than just yourself you're doing it in memory of somebody so those of you that did that you guys are 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 cream of the crop those of you that came out to play appreciate that 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 was great stepping up those of you that that fronted saying you ain't have any money and buying battlefield right after don't ask me about a gaming event in in december or anything that we're going to do in november because i don't want you involved so you know fuck you too it's as easy as that so in short we got 450 bucks and you know we we did our part it's all we can do. And that's it. Simple as that. Alright. Now that we got that out of the way, I'm not going to beat it up anymore. And, um, like I've said, if you don't like it, unsubscribe. If you don't like what I say, it's as easy as, as not being a fan. Leaving the page. Not listening. That's it. I've, you know, I got no time for, for direct messages asking about why I did this, or why I decided to do this, or, you know, why isn't the show out on this day, or don't ask me about changing the fucking segments, or not doing it. I've realized that the show will stay the way it is. It's not changing. The only thing we may do is do stuff to change the way the show is paced, but other than that, don't ask. Especially if you didn't do what you gotta do as as, as, a, as a loyal supporter, quote-unquote. Don't ask. That's it. All right. Now, we got some MMA we got to discuss, especially UFC 137, because it was it was definitely crazy. That's all I got to say. So, let's get right into it. Alright, I'm not going to go through the entire card, but I am going to pluck out certain fights I really enjoyed. Um, first, I want to talk about the Donald Cerrone-Dennis Seaver fight, which was ridiculous. I don't understand why Cerrone isn't even looked at 
for some sort of a title shot at this point at, at 155. The guy went in. He got a rear naked choke on Seaver in two minutes and 22 seconds of round one. It was ridiculous. Cerrone used great Muay Thai. He opened up with a kick straight to the midsection. They had some really great exchanges, but Seaver definitely looked in danger of getting knocked out at one point, but it was just a clinic, a clinic put on by Cerrone. I was very, very impressed. On the pay-per-view side of things, uh, featherweight prospect Hatsu Hioki met George Roop. Hioki ended up taking the fight via split decision. Not a great coming out party for Hioki, but you know what? Everybody that comes over from Japan needs to just get acclimated to performing in front of a large crowd, performing in the octagon. So I'm sure those are just cage jitters and they'll pass. The guy looked really, he he looked comfortable, but he didn't look comfortable enough to go and have a dominant performance. He, he definitely was the aggressor in all three rounds in, in taking the split decision, but I just felt that you can see it, that it was just you walk into this big arena and millions of people are chanting and thousands of people are are, are patting you on the back and, and, you know, high fives and all that shit. So I know that there definitely had to be something affecting all these fighters, Fireball Kid, uh, Hioki, you can even go back to, you know, Crow Cop in the cage, Vanderlei, all these guys, they come over, they're adjusting to fighting in a cage. It's, it's, it's a different, I think it's a different element psychologically, but I, I'm expecting big things from Hioki. I think he's going to be dangerous at 145, and he started with George Root. Mirko Krokop's fight was, was heartbreaking for me. I'm a huge Pride fan. I, I love watching all the old Pride matches. It's, it's a time in the sport where I felt that it was, um, not as well far beyond polished than the original UFC was, but it just also was more aggressive. And this goes back to a statement made by Nick Diaz about fighting in Japan, where people want to see you fight. If you don't fight, they take your money. You get yellow, you know, there were yellow cards, they dig into your purse. It was always a constant flow of action. And I think that seeing that back then gave me an appreciation for it because. In the new in the new era of MMA, there's not that that same level of of it's cliched as it is of ruthless aggression. It's more guys are fighting smarter, guys are using all the tools at their disposal. Which not to say they didn't use them in Pride, but the guys that know how to use a good ground game are going to go in there, smother and cover, use those type of tools to win. Which again makes some people gripe and bitch, but I respect that. But I think during the Pride days, there was just so much more. It was much more action-packed, I guess that's what you want to say. You did have your submissions, but you also had some legendary knockouts, some really crazy fights. And not for nothing, a lot of those stars are household names now because of the Pride era. Rampage, Vanderlei, Henderson, Mirko, Fedor, Kevin Randleman, I, Shogun Hua... I can go down a list of all these guys that fought in Pride, and their their highlights are still watched to this day. Hell, I still watch some of them, especially old Vanderlei matches. So, seeing Mirko go in there and fight Roy Nelson, a lot of people knew that this was going to be Mirko's swan song. Roy Nelson went in there, he did, he did what he had to do, and he put the exclamation point on Mirko's career by taking taking him out 
in the third round via TKO, and that was it. It was it was a, a sad way to see that guy's career end, but the the guy's a legend. He's put on such a some amazing performances. I just think that the the sport has evolved so quickly, and fighters have become so so diverse now that to see a guy like Krokop just get taken not taken to school, but definitely handled by Roy Nelson was heartbreaking for me as a Pride fan. But it's all good, man. Mirko gave so many great performances that. You know what? Even if he went out with a loss, he's still he's still a class act, and he always tried to give the fans exciting fights. On the co-main event side, Czech Congo and Matt Mitrione. I was I'm a big Mitrione fan. He's he's such a, a funny a funny guy. He's a, a great ambassador for the sport. He was coming in undefeated, five and zero. Czech Congo was having none of that though. Czech Congo took the unanimous decision. It was funny because he used Czech Congo really found a way to nullify Mitrione's, uh, I guess, not, not so much the size, but just the takedowns. There was a lot of uh, stuffing of takedowns, and the funny thing about it was that Congo, for some reason, ended up being the guy that got the takedowns. It was crazy. At one point, Congo got Mitrione's back, but Mitrione stood up, and Congo worked a lot of knees in there. He had a lot of pressure uh, at the side of the cage. Um definitely a lot of up close combat and i think mitrione who's come out and had some some great performances wasn't ready for a guy that big to be able to counter so much of his offense but on the same on the same token mitrione's only had five fights coming in check congo was 16 has 16 fights under his belt six losses and the, the guy's been around a long time he knows all the tricks you got to come in there with something far more dangerous than just a, a, an undefeated win streak. Now the main event was very surprising. I think that when the fight opened up, BJ Penn came out. He looked really good in the fight. Nick Diaz, though, there was a nice feeling out process in that first round. Come second round, Nick Diaz started to go to work. He went to work in the second round. He went to work in the third round, and. He really he really busted up BJ, which was crazy, because you don't see BJ get a lot of facial damage in his fights. And Nick Diaz went out there, put on a, a great display of, of, of boxing technique, and sure as shit, after it was over, he did the right thing and shouted out GSP, because that, that's the fight the guy wants. And love Nick Diaz or hate Nick Diaz, the guy, and Ben stated this in in his article, which he wrote, you know, Nick Diaz is a bad motherfucker. There's great fighters, there's awesome fighters, and then there's just bad motherfuckers. It's as easy as that. And Nick Diaz is one of those dudes. He's just a, a, a bad fucking dude. Period. And I knew that he was going to come after that fight and talk some shit. Only because it's the only way he's going to get himself that fight. He's going to come in there and be like, yo, you know, are you fucking scared? What are you scared of? You know, he punked GSP out. GSP was so upset that he he displayed some some real emotion, which is good. Not to say that you want to go and bait your opponent, but a guy like GSP, he's a he's an ambassador for the sport. He's a level-headed guy. He goes. He always has great game plans. He comes in and delivers some, uh, you know, he delivers some great performances. And the funny thing about it is that his last couple haven't been that great. A lot of people just feel that he's been fighting very safe. Nick Diaz seems to be the guy that's going to take GSP out of that safe zone. 
he's going to be the guy that's going to come in there and really test GSP. He's going to tell him, like, look, man, you want to fight? We're going to fucking fight. And that's going to be it. And I think that in GSP's case, he's really not ready for that. On the contrary, I think when the fight, when that fight happens, GSP is going to be so enraged at the shit talking uh, that Diaz is doing that he may he may slip up and and lose the belt only because he may come in there fighting with emotion. And Matt Sarah did something similar. I think that GSP underestimated Sarah and went in there and lost the title. And Diaz is is working that angle. The only thing with Diaz is that he's a lot more dangerous. He has an excellent ground game. He has fantastic boxing. And don't get me wrong, GSP's boxing is great. You can ask Josh Koscheck about that. But Diaz's boxing is just on a whole other level because it's it's so the angles that he hits you with and the way that he fights is just something that you can't really prepare for with anybody that's not Nick Diaz. His fighting, his stand-up technique is so unique that unless you start fighting in the hood, you're not gonna see that. It's as simple as that. And I really like Caesar Gracie telling him. He's like, "Yo, you know, go out there and call that motherfucker out." And it's funny because you got to hear that on. on on Mike a little bit, and a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, Caesar Grazer shouldn't have done that, that's fucked up, and it's like, no, it's not, because Nick Diaz is a hood dude, Nate Diaz is a dude from the hood, you know, the 209, that, that's, that's how they roll, and sometimes you just have to address people in a way that's fitting to their element, and the way I see it is, it's, it's as if, it's as if you go into a car, into a car dealership, and they look at you and they see that you're Hispanic and they send you a Hispanic salesman. That's not being racist. That's just being smart and getting the sale by helping you feel comfortable. Same thing goes with Nick Diaz. You see Nick Diaz interviews with Ariel Helwani and some of these other guys. You see he's always looking. He's not really focused on the mic. He's just like, yeah, you know, I'm here, whatever, because he does it, he doesn't feel comfortable. And I can understand that. I can understand not wanting to be out there talking about a whole bunch of shit that's really not important to the fight. Nick Diaz said it best. Make weight, fight, and get paid. It's that simple. And I can't fault the guy. And he had a he had a fantastic performance. Now, fresh off of that, we have Mirko announcing that he was retiring. But now BJ Penn also said that he may be retired. Well, that he's retiring. I don't know how legit that is, but he um, he did make an announcement after after his loss to Nick Diaz. He's been one three and one in his last five UFC fights. I think that at this point, BJ may just need to sit down, take a break, and and come back. I think BJ still has a lot of a lot of life in his career. He's an exciting dude to watch, and he also knows how to sell fights. So hopefully, we'll see BJ back. If not. He's given us a lot of great memory, so it's as easy as that. Some bonuses got handed out, $75,000. Submission of the night went to Donald Cerrone for his submission on Dennis Seaver. Knockout of the night went to Bart Polashevsky. And fight of the night went to BJ Penn and Nick Diaz. They got seventy-five grand apiece. On the Ultimate Fighter side of things, I'm not going to go through the usual recaps. I think that it's pointless. There's no need to recap um you know the pranks and the shit that went down tito ortiz showed up this week which was cool um the fight that we got this week was roland delorme and tj dillashaw 
Dillashaw looked really good in, in, in his fight. Ended up securing a Darce choke at one point, which I thought was going to be nighty-night for Roland DeLorme. DeLorme had a great defense for it, though. He stood, but then he ate a couple of more shots, and uh, the round ended. Round two came out. Dillashaw comes in. Boom, boom. Hits him with the 1-2. At that point, DeLorme hit the ground. Dillashaw was all over him, and then he cashed that check with punches and elbows. DeLorme ate the strikes. Dillashaw uh, ended up at that point mounting and securing a rear naked choke. So TJ Dillashaw takes the fight via submission. Now, with that said, next week they start setting up the next round of fights. TJ Dillashaw is going to face Dustin Pegg, John Dodson, and Johnny Bedford, um, Akira Khorasani, and Dennis Bermudez, and Diego is going to take on Brian Caraway. Of course, they teased some more pranks. And we get to see um, Akira Khorasani and Dennis Bermudez. So that's the deal for next week. The Ultimate Fighter has been having a lot of really great fights. They're starting to get a little bit more into the coach beef because obviously we're getting into the home stretch of episodes. So they got to do the big sell so people can see Mayhem and Bisping lock up. So overall, solid episode. Great performance by Dillashaw. I like the way he handled himself. I got to give... Credit where credit is due to Roland DeLorme for escaping that Darce choke. I thought that he was going to get caught with that and it was going to be lights out. But he managed to survive and go into the second. But Dillashaw was not having it and ended up getting the choke. So it was a great episode overall. Let's just get into some other MMA news I want to just go over with you guys. Um, Obviously, now that the UFC is on Fox, there's a lot of stuff going on with promotion, new talent being used, and... With the UFC now being on Fuel TV, FX, and on Fox, I'm sure that Rogan and Goldberg weren't going to be doing all the work. And as it was was to be expected, John Anik was announced by the UFC as now being part of the broadcast team. He's going to be handling broadcast duties on FX and Fuel TV, including UFC Fight Nights. He's also going to do stuff for the Ultimate Fighter finale event and he's also going to be the host of the ultimate fighter when it debuts on fx as of right now nobody's discussed who annex color commentator will be i'm sure it's going to be a fighter i don't think goldberg and rogan are going to do that as well but i think that adding an extra an extra talking head in there is good the guy has a great background from his work with espn he's an mma fan i i think it'll work well i would like to see him in there doing commentary with a, with a Stefan Bonner. Stefan Bonner's good for that stuff. Even as much as people dislike, Kenny Florian would be good for color commentary. Or you can even go with Randy Couture, recently retired, or Chuck. I think that John Anik and, and Chuck Liddell would be a, a great commentary team. Or him and Randy Couture. Randy Couture has done plenty of stints on commentary that have been very enjoyable. So we'll see how it pans out. Fuel TV is also going to start having some UFC programming with a UFC Champions Roundtable special that's going to be debuting on the network. It's going to be hosted by Jay Glazer. You're going to have Forrest Griffin, Chuck Liddell, John Jones, and Frank Mir on the first special. That show is going to debut November 8th at 9 p.m., and they're going to replay it quite often probably leading up to UFC on Fox. So we're going to see lots of new MMA programming now with this UFC and Fox marriage, which is fine by me. There are plenty of free MMA to go around, as I always say. I have no issues with it, 
Bellator does a great job with it. Uh, HDNet does a great job with it. So, hey, I'll take it from any angle I can get it. As long as the programming is solid and the fights are good, I'll take MMA on any channel. You can put that shit on, on Spanish-language television, and I'll watch that shit, too. In some other UFC news, UFC 142 will be taking place in Brazil. UFC officials have confirmed the event in Rio de Janeiro at the HSBC Arena on January 14th. As of right now, the main event will be Jose Aldo defending his title against Chad Mendes. Uh, Also, they announced that verbal agreements are in place for Vitor Belfort to take on Anthony Rumble Johnson, who is moving up to middleweight. I always felt that Rumble was was pretty big at 170, so going up to 185 should be good for him. I think Rumble and Vitor is going to be an awesome fight. Vitor Belfort is a is another hometown hero, and Rumble Johnson is trying to make a statement, man, and stepping up, going up and wait for this fight is going to be great. That's going to be happening in January for UFC 142. Dana White made an announcement right after the UFC 137 event saying that GSP will now face Nick Diaz for the UFC welterweight title. He went on to say in his statement that Carlos Condit agreed to step aside. Carlos Condit's coach, uh, excuse me, coach, his agent, uh, Malkikawa, begged to differ. He said that Condit did not step aside. So it should be interesting to see. He said it. Carlos Condit didn't just step aside. GSP is choosing to fight Nick. He also noted that he thinks Dana White will make the change worth it for his client. I think Carlos Condit, it's good that he was getting the title shot, but the event was Diaz and GSP. That was it. That's who you wanted to see. You wanted to see the two best welterweights from Strike Force and the UFC meet to prove who was the dominant welterweight. Not to take anything away from Carlos Condit. I like watching him fight. He's an exciting fighter, but he... He was given the opportunity. Not to say that he didn't earn it because he had great performances, but the fight was the fight. It was Diaz and GSP. Plus, that's that that's free money. That that fight is just a license to print money. Dana White knows it, and I knew that the UFC would find a way to still make that fight happen. It's as easy as that. And I think that Nick Diaz going out there and calling him out was exactly what needed to be done for that fight to happen. Otherwise, if Condit would have beat GSP, then what? You would have had Condit and Diaz. Not to say that that fight wouldn't have been exciting, but it's not the money fight that people wanted to see. Simple as that. Fedor will be making his return to pay-per-view. It's going to be M1 Global Fedor versus Monson on pay-per-view, November 20th at 7.30 in the morning. The event is going to run 30 bucks on in-demand pay-per-view, DirecTV, Dish Network, and you'll probably be able to purchase it online as well. The main event is Fedor versus Jeff Monson. Then you got Jose Figueroa versus Daniel Weichel for the light heavyweight title. Then you got uh, Juan Manuel Suarez versus Alexander. Uh, wow, I'm gonna fuck up this guy's name. Alexander Yakovyev. There you go. Mirbek. I'm gonna mess up so many Russian names right now. Mirbek Tysimov is gonna take on Josh Thorpe. Then you got. Wow, this guy's name is terrible. Xavier Fupa Pokam is gonna take on. Arthur Gwisinov. That's going to be happening November 20th. Um, I actually wanted to talk about this not only because of the card itself, but because of what's been happening on Twitter. A lot of people were bent out of shape about the fact that Pete, that you know the people were like, yo, why am I going to pay $30 for Fedor to fight Jeff Monson in Russia? 
And a lot of people are like, oh, Fedor can't draw. Fedor sucks. And this goes back to what I always say about fickle MMA fans. I think that Fedor's involvement with M1 Global has hindered hindered him to an extent. But you know what? He'll be fighting in, in his hometown, he'll, you know, in, his, in front of his home country. And they'll support him loyally. It's, it's just as easy as that. You don't want to watch it. Don't pay the 30 bucks. But don't say that the guy's a bum because he chooses to fight for the promotion that, you know, pays the fucking bills. Nothing wrong with that. I think that we that at some point we'll see Fedor in the UFC just because it's it there's so many questions that are raised. So many. What what's he going to do? He's not going to sit his entire career without fighting in the octagon. It's too easy. There's too much money at stake. There's too many intriguing matchups. Fedor and Lesnar, Fedor and Overeem, which is the fight that's that's guaranteed for money. Fedor and Nogueira. The, the list goes on. Even if Fedor went down and started fighting at 205, you can do Fedor and John Jones, Fedor and Rampage. Come on, man. It's for for Fedor not to take that is foolish. Will he take it soon? Probably not. But too many question marks in his, in his great career and he's going to want to test himself. So, we'll we'll see Fedor in the cage. Not now, but eventually. This weekend, we got two MMA events. I think we also have Bellator as well. Don't quote me on it because I don't have their schedule in front of me. But Pro Elite will have an event on HDNet starting at 9. Tim Sylvia is fighting on that card. So is Andre Arlovsky. Um, and ugh, this guy's name I'm going to probably fuck up too. Andreas Kraniotakis will be taking on Tim Sylvia. That's your main event. Your co-main event is Andre Arlovsky and Tim F- Travis Fulton. Also on that card will be BJ Penn's brother, Reagan Penn. He'll be fighting Evan Cutts. In addition to that, you got Cody Griffin and Justin Riley, Richard Odoms and Rodney Housley. That's for a heavyweight tournament opening round contest. You also got Ed Carpenter and Jake Hune, Mark Ellis and Ryan Martinez. Those are all heavyweight tournament opening round fights. On the prelims, you got Kelly Skeffington and Jonathan Thompson. That's an amateur bout. Daniel DeCamp and Nick McLean, that's also an amateur bout. There's also a heavyweight tournament reserve bout, which is Richard McCraw and Todd Monahan. Lastly, Floyd Hodges and Waylon Lowe round out the Pro Elite prelims. UFC 138, also this weekend. Main event, Chris Lieben, Mark Munoz. Then you got a bantamweight bout with Brad Pickett and Renan Barrao. Tiago Alves will also be on that card. He's going to be taking on Pappy Abedi. You also got Terry Etim, Edward Falodo, Cyril Diabati, and Anthony Paroche. On the prelims, which you can watch on Facebook, you got Chris Cope. He's fighting Che Mills. You got Omigawa taking on Jason Young. John McGuire versus Justin Edwards. A lot of great card. A lot of great fights. Once again, free free MMA. UFC 138 this Saturday. Prelims are on Facebook. Main card. Spike TV. All right, that's going to wrap some things up. We're going to take a commercial break. When we get back, we are going to talk some wrestling because there's quite a few things to talk about right after these messages. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like. <laughs> well, you won't listen to that on our show because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. Broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that that has horrible audio quality, 
and Void uh, of Fake Laughter, Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. Had to break out the CM Punk this time. I think that the soundboard now has finally got all the bugs worked out, so I'm glad I was able to play that for you guys. Monday Night Raw was special this week. It was, of course, the Halloween edition of Raw, and they were joined by the Muppets. We had a lot of uh, a lot of segments with with the Muppets that were hilarious. We actually used the screen cap for our caption contest that we did this week, which was for an autographed copy of Michael Kingston's Headlocked autographed by Michael Kingston and overall I you know a lot of people were were bitching oh you know the fucking Muppets and Raw and this that it's for fucking Halloween folks come on not only that but wrestling is still watched by kids and by doing stuff like that it it's great publicity for the movie it's nice mainstream exposure for WWE and there were a lot of great laughs so don't knock it It, uh, don't get me wrong I don't want to see the Muppets every fucking week but it, but it was good. It was I had a, a lot of good laughs. Now, of course, John Cena teased that The Rock would be his tag team partner at Survivor Series. So, of course, we were going to find out The Rock's answer. John Cena, of course, got it right at the start of the broadcast. The Rock, via satellite, because he was filming G.I. Joe, said that he would indeed tag with John Cena at Survivor Series because he would like to whoop The Miz and Truth's ass. Which, you know, typical Rocky promo... Him saying some funny shit, clowning John Cena, making fun of the Miz and our truth, looking super jacked for fucking G.I. Joe. It's it's a typical rock promo that went exactly the way we all thought it was gonna be. So the rock will be at Survivor Series, never before, never again. I think that they kind of fucked themselves just because this is the problem. If if the internet wasn't out there, this would be a huge shocker for everybody and people would be super pumped. But leaked posters for Survivor Series and all this other shit, everybody knew it was going to happen. This just came as no surprise, which is which is sad that for, for things like that, you would think that it would be something they'd keep under wraps, but they didn't. I knew The Rock was going to be at Survivor Series, I think, about a month and a half ago, so there was nothing special about it. Opening match of the night was our was my boy, CM Punk, taking on Mark Henry. Of course, Alberto Del Rio got involved, and Ricardo Rodriguez got sacrificed to the beast that is Mark Henry, and um, pretty much ended up with Mark Henry winning via DQ. We get our first segment of the night with Kermit, Vicky Guerrero, Jack Swagger, and Miss Piggy. Very, very funny segment. I like the comedic timing that went with that. I think Vicky Guerrero is not given the credit she deserves. I think besides being a great heel, she has great chemistry with everybody she works with. It just it's like the for for somebody who's such a good heel, it just felt so natural her exchange with with Miss Piggy and Kermit the Frog. Even though they're fucking puppets, it just worked out well. I really enjoyed it. I particularly liked the fact that she got called Jack Swagger's mother by Kermit the Frog. It was very very amusing. 
And, of course, it wouldn't be a Halloween Raw segment without some divas in costumes. Kelly Kelly comes out, kisses Kermit, you know, waka waka, everybody laughs. Then we do the Divas Costume Battle Royal, which was won by Eve Torres for a number one contendership for the Divas belt. Clearly, we knew that that was the way it was going to go, because Kelly Kelly will probably get the exposure next month, since she is on the cover of Maxim. So, of course, they got to promote the fuck out of that. We get another awesome backstage segment, my favorite segment of the night, with Beaker and another one of my favorite characters, Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. And uh, they had a little exchange with Christian. Seamus was involved. Told Beaker he couldn't make it to the family reunion. It was very, very amusing. I like the fact that Seamus is so willing to not take himself seriously for for the gimmick and for the business. It, It was really refreshing. It was funny. I got a nice little chuckle out of it. Next up, Air Boom took on Cody Rhodes and Wade Barrett. Of course, Evan Bourne was suspended for wellness, so this is probably going to be the last time you see Air Boom on television. Well, not really. They're probably going to be on SmackDown, and they may or may not drop the belts. Who knows? I'm not going to spoil that for you guys. If you want to find out, there's plenty of spoilers on the net. Cody Rhodes and Barrett did win, though, so they were already starting to punish Evan Bourne. It wouldn't be a Raw without uh, and Muppets without Statler and Waldorf, which was funny. They were doing their own color commentary. I like that Statler actually broke out the what taunt, which was very amusing. Next up, Del Rio and the Big Show, which served really no purpose. I mean, they had that pre-existing issue with Del Rio hitting the Big Show's knee with the car, which was which was great at the time, and that kind of had some history there. But the big setup for this was CM Punk coming out and forcing Alberto Del Rio to give him a title shot, which we knew was going to fucking happen either way, but now now it's 100% official. Fourth match of the night, Jack Swagger with Guerrero, with Vicky Guerrero against Santino. Santino won. I was, I was shocked. Um, but it added because you had the Muppet involvement with him spitting the, the potion in Jack Swagger's face, so it served its purpose. Dolph Ziggler and Zack Ryder went exactly the way you would think, with Ziggler mounting a bunch of offense, Ryder coming out of nowhere, and securing the victory with the Rough Rider. Now, there's been an online petition on Twitter for Zack Ryder to get a shot at Dolph Ziggler's title. It's a no-brainer that that should fucking happen, especially because he's beating him every week. And honestly, Ryder as champion would be amusing. It would it would give um, a different dynamic. I don't think Dolph Ziggler at this point needs the belt. Uh, Tommy Dreamer said in an interview recently that there are just guys that don't need a belt to get over. You don't. Dolph Ziggler is one of those. He's such a great heel, and he's really solidified himself as such that he doesn't he doesn't need the IC belt. You can start bumping him into the main event card because at this point, we're starting to see the same feuds over and over. You moved Henry up, which was good, but what then? Not much. So... I think Ziggler should drop the belt to Ryder, and then Ziggler should move into the main event. John Cena and The Miz closed things out, of course. We had Cena being superhuman as usual, catching an ass-whooping, and then the surprise victory secured via the STF on The Miz. Somebody in a scream mask jumped out, attacked John Cena, and of course it was our truth blah, blah, blah. There were aspects of Raw this week that were very formulaic. But overall, I I enjoyed it very much. Like I said, the segments with the Muppets weren't overdone. They weren't overbearing. They were were funny. And I got a lot of genuine laughs. 
Simple as that. All right. Other wrestling news. In a release that actually surprised me, Maurice was given the boot from WWE. Originally, it was thought that Maurice requested her release, but wow, that rhymed. <laughs> she did not request it. She was actually released from her contract. Um, there was a lot of stuff going on. She was injured. She actually, I think, got surgery for a hernia. She had a stalker, etc., etc., etc. And it just turns out that they parted ways with her. I think Maurice was a, a, a great heel, but they really, they just ran out of shit to do with her, which is strange considering that she had a very marketable look to her. You know, she was blonde, she was white, you know, it's, it's the it's the Barbie doll formula. She would have been the, the, the great heel equivalent to Kelly Kelly, because while you, yeah, Beth Phoenix is a good heel, Natalia is a good heel, they're not heel material. Like, you want to root for Beth Phoenix, because she's such an overpowering force. I think when they were getting ready to set up the feud with Karma, that's the way it was going to go. And frankly, I'd rather build a division around Beth Phoenix and Natalia than around Kelly, Kelly, and Eve. Just just my personal opinion, but now Maurice will probably be on the shelf for a little bit. It's rumored that she'll probably do Playboy, and we'll see her in TNA before you know it. This month is uh, Movember, uh, which of course is with regards to prostate cancer awareness, which affects men everywhere. And as much as I wanted to make this a public service announcement discussing the significant the significance of the event and telling uh, my fellow male listeners ages 30 and over to get themselves checked out. I also wanted to discuss it because um, a wrestler from my childhood, Jacques Rougeau, who many of you probably know as the Mountie, and he was also part of the Quebecers, was recently diagnosed with prostate cancer. Uh, Rougeau was diagnosed during some routine testing. He's going to get some other testing to confirm it. He's had a couple of other health issues in the past, including kidney stones, and there's also a family history of prost of cancer, so I really hope that he pulls through. Hopefully, it's something that can be treated. Uh, Jacques Rougeau actually was a guy who was a, a fantastic heel growing up. I remember his feuds when he was the Mountie, um, feuding with the Big Boss Man. I remember a couple of feuds he had with the Quebecers. I also rem remember him with Carl Roulette, Roulette at one point. Um... I, rem I don't remember if he was his his manager at the time or if they were a tag team as well. I can't think of it offhand. I think my retro wrestling history is a little a little dusty. But hopefully Jacques Rougeau can get his his uh, prostate cancer treated, and you know we don't have to read something unfortunate in a couple of months. For those of you wondering what Batista's been up to, obviously now that he's now with the WWE, you know he's MMA fighter actor action hero well now it seems that batista may be joining riddick on screen batista's been offered a role in the next pitch black film as of right now it's not certain if he accepted the role but let's be honest what the fuck else is he doing this week on tna was the big spoiler which i'm gonna say right now make sure you fast forward uh james storm was losing the belt to robert rude Number one, obviously, because they were putting the belt on Rude, but number two, James Storm is injured. He actually has a concussion, which he suffered, I believe, during this week's impact, and he will be out of action for up to two months. So the belt goes on Rude, Storm is injured, at least we got some logic to it. 
And of course, as I said, Kelly Kelly is on the cover of the December issue of Maxim. The cover is on the My Take Radio Facebook fan page. And I think that there are some other photos from the issue, which I'm probably going to put on the site as well. Expect those up at some point between now and this weekend. All right, guys, that's going to wrap that up. We're going to take another commercial break. When we get back, we got some video game news right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music? And- Whoops, I hit the wrong one. Sorry about that. Well, it's on tonight, even. Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you say this is the deal of the century, people? I'm telling you. So, Jason, uh, what, what, I mean, what, what are we doing tonight? Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. BlogTalkRadio.com, Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know? Jason? Jason, are you there? that jingle was so long (laughs) i apologize for that all right video games first up ufc undisputed 3 has a release date valentine's day i know what i'm asking my wife for Uh, company executives at thq have reported that the game will drop february 14th 2012 for the ps3 and xbox 360 enhancements you can expect bantamweights and featherweight divisions plus you're also going to get pride rules which i put the video on the site Anderson Silver's on your cover, and I probably am almost 100% sure that UFC Undisputed 3 will kill any potential for an EA MMA game now that Zufa has acquired Strikeforce, so who knows? Maybe EA can put out something with K1. I think that the Fight Night controls that they did use would be suitable for a K1 game. I think a K1 game on this side would would do decently well. Hopefully EA will hear what I'm talking about and decide to research that and put out a K1 video game. I have a couple of K1 games from Dreamcast and PS2 and they were they were enjoyable. You could do a lot. You know, you could fight as Badahari, Tyrone Spong. I think they can do a lot with that. I don't think you'll be able to use a guy like Alistair Overeem, but you can use some of those other guys, you know, uh Hedzy Gurgis, a couple of those guys. I think K1 game, especially for hardcore MMA fans, would do well, especially if the controls are well done. Last Christmas, I I read an article about some of the most sought-after items for the holiday season, and I remember reading about a board game called Apples to Apples, and I said to myself, who the fuck plays board games anymore? Not to say that they're bad. I I love a great game of Monopoly. Monopoly is my favorite board game. I also like a good game of Checkers. I've always wanted to learn chess, but unfortunately, I just never had the time. But Apples to Apples is getting the video game treatment. THQ is going to be bringing the game to Xbox Live and PSN in December for $10. You're going to get um, online and offline modes for up to six players, and you'll also get 16 different avatars to use. I've never played it, but I always like little casual games like that. They're good for if you got a couple of people over at the house to play. Um, 
you know, seen it is, is very big here. Uh, Buzz is as well. Seen it being a, a huge favorite of mine. We, we have a lot of good laughs with that. I actually wanted to pick up Monopoly also on Xbox 360 just because that's another game I enjoy playing and I just I'd rather at least play it with someone than not play it at all. So it's a it's it's depressing to see that Monopoly now is, you know, scan your debit card and that there's no paper money and nobody gets to play the banker anymore. I actually miss that. I miss, you know, somebody's he- somebody's head being turned and me grabbing a couple of dollars out of the bank. A little cheating never hurt anybody, especially in board games, but it seems to be the evolution of the medium, folks. Apples to Apples, like I said, drops in December. Xbox Live Arcade and PSN for 10 bucks. Capcom hit us with some release dates this week. Also, Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City, which I saw at Comic-Con, will be released on 360 and PS3 on March 20th. In addition to that, they'll be releasing a special edition, which comes with a steelbook, an umbrella security service, and a Spec Ops field unit patch. Also, a foil sleeve and eight bonus weapons are some of the items included. Asura's Wrath will be out February 21st. Super pumped for that. I got to see that at Comic-Con, and that's a game that has so many shades of Darksiders and God of War that I just have to play it. Plus, the character design is fantastic. EA's been tooting their horns, especially since Modern Warfare 3 is not out, that Battlefield 3 has sold very well. EA stated that the game has sold 5 million units, making it the fastest selling game in EA's history. The game has shipped 10 million units overall, so they've sold half. Based on what I've seen from Battlefield, it looks really well done, it has beautiful graphics. I haven't played it yet. I've actually been playing Medal of Honor from Gamefly, which um, is actually surprisingly fun. I haven't really been playing a lot of first-person shooter games in a long time. Um, I think that it's a genre that, for some reason, is just lost to me. I mean, I finished Gears of War 3 recently, and I actually ended up selling it. I don't really go online with that stuff. Could be because I'm antisocial. Could be because I just hate getting shot in the face by 12-year-olds. Who knows? But I think that I will probably at some point play Battlefield 3 only because it's it's a game that just needs to be played. Same thing with Modern Warfare. I've been wanting to play Modern Warfare as well. I just haven't got around to doing it. But Slick informed me that a lot of people actually canceled their Modern Warfare 3 pre-orders to get Battlefield 3, which... Very surprising, indeed. But we'll find out which is the best FPS game of 2011 as soon as Modern Warfare 3 drops. I'm definitely intrigued. I know that this week Target and also Amazon were running their buy two, get one free, and I was going to pick up GoldenEye Reloaded, which looks surprisingly good. I got to play it at Comic-Con, and I think it's another FPS game that, you know, when you don't want to fuck around with Call of Duty and... Battlefield, it's, it looks like a game that'll be just as fun to play, especially with the MI6 mode that they threw in there as well. I will tell you this, if you're playing Battlefield and you want to get some dog tags, you can pick up some Dr. Pepper bottles that are marked, and you'll be able to redeem for multiplayer skins, a PlayStation Home avatar, and some other special edition stuff as well. You can get a free code from Dr. Pepper's site if that's something you're into. That promo is actually going to end December 31st. So bag yourself some Dr. Pepper and get some exclusive stuff for Battlefield. When Slick and and I discussed the issues with Nintendo, Slick made a very great point in saying that you should really include your, your consoles with games. It helps 
move bundles and it gets people motivated to play because they don't really have to invest any money right away. And Microsoft seems to be taking that formula to heart and doing it with the Kinect. There's a new Kinect bundle ready for the holiday season that's actually going to give you three games with the Kinect. That's going to be the Kinect holiday bundle. You're getting Kinect Adventures, Fruit Ninja Kinect, and Gunstringer. The bundle will still run at 150 bucks, which is the price of the standard bundle. Something tells me that the Kinect is going to see a huge push this holiday season. Going to make a fuckload of money. I've been contemplating picking up a Kinect and using the Nyko attachment since I have a smaller room to see if it'll work and I can actually play it. I had bought, bought I had purchased one a while back and just the space requirements were fucking insane. So hopefully with the Nyko Zoom attachment... I'll be able to play it in my current house. If not, I gotta wait till I sell this place and uh, then I will definitely pick it up. Gears of Wars DLC is coming very quickly. First up, you get Ram Shadow for Gears of War 3. That's gonna be available December 13th, 1200 Microsoft points. It's gonna come with more than three hours of gameplay, six multiplayer characters, and 250 achievement points. Of course, the Horde Command Pack is already out you can pick that up also available for free on november 24th will be two gears of war one maps swamp and clock tower those maps will be part of the versus booster map pack update so if you're going to give gears of war 3 a little bit more game play time you can pick up that dlc on xbox live if you've been keeping up with mtr.com this week you know that gta 5's trailer was announced. Everybody jumped on it. I figured I'd post it at some point, and I did. Uh, GTA 5 will be taking place in Los Santos, uh, which of course is a play on Los Angeles. It's going to be. A lot of people are saying that it's going to be a radical, radical reinvention of the franchise. Sam Hauser, who's the founder of Rockstar, said that that's what you can expect, and they are very excited to share this new vision. It's going to have online multiplayer. They haven't made a mention of co-op. A lot of people are trying to break down if some of our favorite GTA characters from past games are going to be in there. Tommy Versetti, um, CJ, Nico Bellic. There's actually an article which I posted on our Facebook fan page which actually broke down the trailer and makes you really wonder if those are the characters from previous games popping up in this one. Who knows? We'll see what the deal is with that. I see that Slick is on the line, so I'm going to bring him on. See what he has to add to that. Slick, what's the deal, bro? What's up, man? I'm good, man. What do you got to add for GTA 5? Um, I actually just watched the trailer today. I, I completely forgot about it because I just so much other shit going on right now. But it's like I, I was blown away by the, the visuals. I'm kind of glad that is back in, in Los Santos because if they do the same thing they did with Los Santos that they did with Liberty City and GTA 4, I mean, Los Santos was huge on the PS2. It could be, you know, massive on the on the PS3. I really think that if we're going, we're definitely going back to Los Santos that we got to see CJ from, from San Andreas in there, man. It has to happen. A friend of mine said something similar, but I was like, really think about that. If he put CJ in GTA 5, he's going to be like 40-something. Yeah, but that... But, he's not going to be the dude that you remember. Yeah, but you know what the thing is? That 
it, let, let's go the, with the article I posted today. They were talking about, you know, an older CJ that kind of got out of the life, an older Tommy Versetti and an older Nico Bellic, which whatever you can do that. I don't think I don't think that them being older is necessarily an issue. I would like to I would actually like to see them do that just because it adds some continuity to all the games. I doubt they will, but I, but I'd like to see that. I'd like to see them just, you know, hey, you know, this is what happened to Nico after four. Hey, what's CJ up to? And you can actually play in different parts of the game with those guys. Or maybe they end up just being thrown together due to some weird circumstance. I think it would yield some awesome results. And not only that, show some continuity between the games. Nico Bellic would be the only one that would really make sense to me because Grand Theft Auto 4 took place in like 2009, 2008. So he'd only be like four or five years older. Right. Tommy Versetti, think about it. Tommy Versetti would be like 60. Yep. I mean, I'm not saying you can't have a 60-year-old character in a video game. I mean, you've done similar things with Snake, but Tommy Versetti's not going to have, like, bionic enhancements. No, no, no. He's going to be really fucking old and not doing very much. I think that having Versetti as like a boss would be good, you know, like just like a like a character you go to see. Yeah, I mean, if he just has, if he's like somebody sending you on mission, like you know, like a, a doll or something, that's fine. But I I really wouldn't want a a, a sixty year old playable character <laughs> in a game like GTA. And CJ, I mean, CJ's fine. I mean, I would I would still rather be taking missions from him than playing as him. If I'm going to play as any previous character, I'd rather play as, as um, Nico Bellic or maybe even the nameless dude from GTA 3 who would probably be like, again, like 30-something. Yeah, nameless dude and would be awesome. <laughs> what I got from the, from the trailer, the way they kept showing different people, different situations, I mean, it's one voice and you could do that, but I'm kind of thinking that maybe, unless they just not decided on who the character is, maybe they're going to let you, which I hate the very concept of them, you know, taking anything from Saints Row because I despise that game, but what do you call it? Um, maybe they're going to let you create your own character and then just go through the game. I think character creation will be a fun enhancement, but something that you had said makes makes a lot of sense it, if they did the character creation at this point then saints row would be like look at gta ripping us off yeah and that's like i got nothing against anybody who likes saints row it's just that saints row is just i understand like it, it's just letting you do whatever but it's like there just seems no point to the damn game it's like they focus more on all the gimmicks versus the story and somebody said Somebody who loves the game once said to me, it's like, they focus more on, like, the fun aspect than the story. It's like, why can't you have both? Right. There's plenty of games that have both, so there's no point in sacrificing story for quote-unquote fun. This is true. So, I mean... Again, I, 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 like I said, it would be something different, but I really don't want them taking anything from Saints Row. Let, let that game stand on its own and just do the regular formula you've always done with Grand Theft Auto. Hopefully, I mean, honestly, it's, while the continuity would be nice, 
I'd rather have the continuity in the form of recognized characters playing some point in the overall story with a new character. I think I think that with with something like that with GTA, the the amount of openness to that game can let you do so much. I'm just concerned that and I said this when I put up the trailer, I really don't see any progression of just the gameplay itself. It's pretty much sandbox, go to a guy, get a job, come back, get another job, escort this guy here, pick up this guy there. Like I don't know, it just feels very formulaic. I don't I maybe it's just because the the that particular style of gameplay has just run its course, but I'm hoping to see something something else, you know, more of an even if you wanted to do an online component like co-op missions would be cool where people can jump in like in Crackdown and help you out on some stuff or you guys could could go on missions together. At least that'll add a different dynamic to it. It just feels like it's the same shit. See this guy. Pick this up. Take this hooker here. Kill this cop. Run over this uh, run over this guy. Kill this homeless dude. You know, it's like, come on, man. Yeah, but it's honestly, that's probably we're gonna what we're gonna wind up with just because games like that that have a million sequels, they you know, they, they do the whole if it ain't broke, don't fix it type thing. I mean, you look at a game like, like God of War, you look at a game like even the excellent Batman Arkham City. It's still doing the same thing that the last game did. Right, but they added, but which is, which is true, and that and that's fine. But they added, you know, they gave you some other characters. They gave you a couple little extra extra things here and there. I just feel that in GTA, it's like, hey, you can swim now. You won't drown if you fall in the water. You know, like that's a gameplay enhancement. Oh, I can ride a bicycle. That's a gameplay enhancement. You see what I'm saying? Like, like if that's what you're using to sell people on the game... Like, I remember the excitement when you were able to ride bicycles. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Who gives a shit? Like, swimming, I think I was actually pumped more that you couldn't die when you fell in the water because that was some bullshit. But other than that, it was, you know, a lot of, a lot of I guess, false excitement. Like, I'd like to see something in the game that makes me go, holy shit, that's crazy. And unfortunately, if the trailer is any indication, the the fact that they're going back to Los Santos, they're going back to some of the gimmicks, which a lot of people, I'm not, again, not taking anything from anybody else, I'm only talking about myself. A lot of people loved it, but it just, there was no point in it. Like, there's one scene with a jet plane, and it's going really fucking fast. It's not like the, the, um, the Harrier that was in in uh, GTA uh, fuck I, <laughs> I lost the name of it but what do you call it um, the jet it added nothing to the game I mean that that whole mission was kind of ridiculous I mean you're a street gangster from basically from California you're infiltrating a Navy freaking aircraft carrier taking out trained soldiers and stealing a Harrier jet. Yeah, it makes no fucking sense, dude. <laughs> and like, he would have lasted five seconds. I don't even think he would have got out of the fucking water in that mission if it was real. I don't know, man. Like I said, I, lo- I, love, the- I love what Rockstar does and I like what they do. 
It's just, I don't feel, I don't know, I just don't feel wowed yet. You know, I could be 100% wrong. Three months from now, they they can have, like, full gameplay footage. I'll be like, holy shit, that's crazy. But right now, dude, it's just it's just a pretty trailer. That's all it is. It's just yeah. a, pretty, a, a pretty hype video. It's like, honestly, I didn't have any real problems with GTA 4. People complained, and they complained about the stupidest shit. He's not jumping off of fucking buildings and, and base jumping. He doesn't have a jetpack. He's not flying jet planes. I'm like... None of that is, is, is that realistic. Add, what does that add to the game, really? What does that really add to the game? What mission did you need any of that shit for? If you want shit like that, you need to just play fucking Crackdown. <laughs> Yeah, where stuff like that actually is necessary. Exactly. Well, I think I think the trailer was timely because they really wanted to kill the hype machine of Saints Row. I think that that was part of the reason why they strategically... Because they, remember, last week they announced that the trailer was coming. So they, already were, they had already been generating the buzz like, Hey, get ready. There's a trailer coming. Not today, but next week. <laughs> I don't think they're really even trying to kill the hype machine of Saints Row because honestly, it doesn't. Even if the trailer was like showing you, showing you the character, showing you everything he does, showing you basically what the story is about, and it was just fan fucking tested, you're not gonna see this game until at least around this time next year, if it comes out next year, because it might not. And Saints Row is basically coming out in a couple. I don't even know when it comes out because I'm not paying attention, but I'm uh, pretty sure it comes out in November. This is true. So it really doesn't matter what you show in that trailer. It's anybody who's hyped the Saints Row is not going to say, oh, fuck it. I'm going to wait a year for fucking Grand Theft Auto 5 now. I can't argue that, dude. You are you do have a point. So, I mean, and honestly, I don't think Rockstar has any beef with the makers of Saints Row because it's like you do your shit, we'll do ours. Saints Row, when it first came out, like when it first came out, it was trying to, you know, kill some of the buzz of Grand Theft Auto and they realized it just can't do that. Yep. So even Saints Row is now like, hey, we'll do our shit, we do yours. The Saints Row stays with the this game is over the top, ridiculous bullshit. This is true. And the people who the people who are gonna love it are gonna love it. Grand Theft Auto has ridiculous, over the top bullshit, but it tries to present you with a specific story and give you some slight level of realism. And the people who love that are gonna continue to love that. Yeah, I agree. Well, we'll find out. We'll find out soon, because I'm sure this won't be the last we heard of GTA 5. The thing that I think that they need to start promoting with GTA 5 is um, the shit that you you um, you experience. Like when they did when they first went to Los Santos, they started showing you like ads for the Clucking Bell and and. Um, like some of the, the the shops, like the 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 um, gun shop and everything, just ridiculous things that you're gonna experience because the ads were just that outrageous. And um, 
like some of the the radio DJs or some of the music they're gonna they're gonna have because really that's what makes the game more immersive. Well, one thing I like with that is that you know uh, some of my some of my some favorite uh, radio personalities of mine, which are Opie and Anthony, did a lot of the stuff. Um, Anthony did the the piss washer commercial. Uh, some of the guys from ONA were some of the voices. So I, I'm sure those guys will be involved again, hopefully. So it's nice to see that. Like I like it's cool hearing that those guys were the voices. So hopefully we'll start seeing exactly what you were saying. You know the cluck and bell and stuff like that. Cause that'd be a great way to build a buzz, especially if you're gonna. Based on what they were saying, they're making it seem like you know by showing the homeless people and all that they want to make the game take place now. That seems to be the direction they're going, and they want to go with a more, you know, with a more up to date vibe. You know, we had the '80s, we had the '90s, we had now to a degree. You know, we had the hood in New York City. Now we get the West Coast. You know, in the present. So I th- I think the formula's there. It's just a matter of how they want to do it. You know what I'd like to see would be. Um, if it's supposed to take place in, you know, their version of California, if there were earthquakes and you actually you actually had to do missions while there were earthquakes going on. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that, like you got to loot a, a, a drug den while an earthquake is going on and you got to drive while the car um, is shaking and shit. I think a better idea considering it being, and I finally got the name, it's San Andreas is the name of the state. Los Santos is just one of the cities. Um, say an earthquake takes place at some point in the, in the story, and it's like a a pretty strong one. You know, there's going to be a lot of power outages, which, of course, leads to a lot of looting. Yep. So let's say there's an earthquake, and there's, you know, one of the people you're working for needs you to break into this building that has, like, this a lot of security, but there you go with the power outage. And when there's looting, eventually there's National Guard. There you go. That would be that would be a badass mission. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see them if they're if they're gonna acknowledge, you know, or they're gonna pay homage to certain areas, you should you should add those little those little nuances in there. It would be it would be fun. So there you go, Rockstar. That's my that's my application for a job right there. There you go. <laughs> Story ideas for missions. There you go. Anything anything else you wanna add, bro? Yeah, if there is any kind of mission like that, and Rockstar doesn't acknowledge me, I'm suing. There you go. Sue the fuck out of them. Use this episode as proof. All right, man. All right, brother. See ya. I'll talk to you later. Peace. That would be awesome. Slick, Slick is onto something with an earthquake mission. Uh, the way he laid it out, it would, it would. I'd really like to see that. Like I said, it, it would just keep it relative to now, which is, which is always nice. All right, let's wrap some of this stuff up. We got a Silent Hill HD collection dropping. It was originally set for this fall. It'll be coming out January 24th, 2012. You'll be able to pick it up on the PS3 and the Xbox 360. You're also going to be able to play your first Silent Hill game on the Vita. That'll be out in February. Last but not least, Silent Hill Downpour will be out March of 2012 on the PS3 and Xbox 360. Game Informer release some information about a new Tom Clancy Rainbow Six game, Rainbow Six Patriots. That game will be launched in 2013 on 360 PS3 and the PC. I actually played, I remember, I think I played the first Rainbow Six Vegas, which was very fun. I think that if they do another game with, you know, more of the team-based play and tactics, I think it's going to be something that's going to be badass. 
Game Informer has the full scoop, so if you happen to read Game Informer, check it out. If you're a Rainbow Six fan, it's definitely a, a, a good read. I read parts of it because somebody emailed me some details, but I think that for those of you that are fans of the series, it's an article you definitely need to check out. Sony is finally picking up some steam and catching up to 360 on the sales front. Sony has sold 55, actually they have shipped, excuse me, 55.5 million PS3 units, uh, taking so, trailing behind Microsoft, which has sold 57.6 million, which has shipped, sorry, I was confused that. Microsoft has shipped 57.6, Sony has shipped 55.5, of course the leader still remains the Wii, which has shipped 89.3 million Wii units. So, Sony is definitely starting to creep up, and with titles like Uncharted and some of those other great first-party titles, I can see it being a definite neck-and-neck race. And honestly, depending on what happens with the Wii U, I think that the Wii U will not be the number one shipped console upon its release. I think that it's going to be a battle between first and second place Microsoft and Sony. You can if if that's how it goes down, remember you heard it on MTR episode 114. <laughs> Last bit of video game news, THQ has exceeded their expectations financially according to their press release. They actually had a fantastic quarter, 146 million dollars in sales. Uh the big game that led that was Warhammer Space Marine, which sold 1.2 million units. It seems that the third quarter is also going to be good for THQ because they have Saints Row the Third and WWE 12 scheduled for release. So great stuff from THQ. Of course, they're going to be doing UFC Undisputed, Darksiders 2. So if you are a fan of any of those franchises, definitely show your support. THQ's been putting out some solid stuff and I may actually pick up WWE 12. I may dip back, dip my toe back into the wrestling game pool. We'll see what happens when it's released next month. All right, that closes out the video games. I'm going to take another commercial break. When we get back, we're going to talk movies right after this. The following advertisement is for BornStubbornRadio.com. BornStubbornRadio. We like news, we like current events, but we like the fucked up news and the fucked up current events. The Born Southern Radio, we talk about everything in entertainment. We talk about movies. We talk about music. Mostly heavy stuff. Have good mosh pitting! And because we're big fucking nerds, we talk about video games. <laughs> we're big fucking nerds. We love video games. Fuck's sake, man! <laughs> Rich loves the show. Yeah. Hey, Rich. You like the show, don't you? Yeah, man. Are you sure you like the show? <laughs> yeah, man. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop the Isn't Born Seven Radio one of your favorite podcasts? Yeah, man. Awesome. Okay, hold on a second. But I was just curious. I'm thinking about coming to New York. Awesome. You live in New York, right? Yeah. You think maybe I could uh, crash on your couch? Uh, in the predominantly Asian neighborhoods, there's like fucking 20 of them shit. <laughs> um, Richard, what do you? But I don't know what the fuck he just said. In the Asian neighborhoods, there's like fucking 20 of them shit. Exactly. Okay, I, I don't know what Rich is thinking, but PornStuffInRadio.com is where you should be going right now. There you go, get it!
All right. Nice little Kill Bill segue for the movies this week. I kind of wanted to give Scott Pilgrim a break. Let's open it up with Deadline.com reporting that the rights to Fraggle Rock have been purchased by New Agency. The production company is currently in the process of delivering a new take on the 1980s hit HBO show. The company is suggesting that they will probably be going the CGI route with the new version, much like they did with the Alvin and Chipmunks franchise. You know, I really, I I can't even just sit here and shit on this stuff because Alvin and the Chipmunks comes out, isn't even that good, but makes a shitload of money. And that's what it is. They go, they market this cutesy stuff in such a way that they can just tap the pockets of those of us that grew up watching that shit because we end up taking our kids to see it. They did it with the Smurfs, they did it with Alvin and the Chipmunks, and they'll probably do it with Fraggle Rock just the same. So... Expect a Fraggle Rock movie in the near future. It seems that Pussy was a hot commodity in the box office this week as Puss in Boots took the top spot with $34 million, beating out Paranormal Activity 3 for $18.5 million. $81 million total for Paranormal Activity, solid start. In Time did $12 million, Footloose still holding on, 5.4. The Rum Diary opened to f- with $5 million. Real Steel made 4.7. The Three Musketeers got $3.5 million in the bank. The Ides of March, 2.7. Moneyball, out of nowhere, $2.4 million. And Courageous rounded out the top 10, $1.8 million. It's made 26 point, well, $27.6 million total. I'm not shocked Puss in Boots came out and killed the box office. I mean, the, the Shrek movies, regardless of of how crazy they are they always do well and the puss in boots character the way that they marketed it it was a no-brainer that you were going to get a spin-off movie and they delivered there you go puss in boots number one in some tv news fx president john langraff has reported that american horror story is going to be picked up for a second season it ranks as the fastest renewal in the history of the fx network langraff's had the following to say It's one thing to have the ambition and guts to reinvent the genre in the way that makes it captivatingly fresh for a broad audience. It's something else entirely to have the craft to back that ambition up. Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk have hit the trifecta with Nip Tuck, Glee, and now American Horror Story, which which will be scaring FX's viewers to death for many years to come. I've been watching American Horror Story. It is fucking crazy. It is so nuts. If you haven't had the opportunity to check it to check it out, head over to FX's website and watch it. It is definitely not your regular run-of-the-mill horror stories, and some of the stuff that they get away with on FX is is legit horror movie quality stuff, and they do a really great job with it. So I'm glad to see them getting it renewed for a second season. Like I said, it's something that's unique, different, and just a little fucking nuts. So. Do yourselves a favor, check it out on FX on Wednesdays. In some other fucking reboot shit, Deadline is reporting that Bill Paxton is in talks to do a big screen adaptation of the 1970s TV series Kung Fu. Paxton had previously directed Frailty, the greatest game ever played, and he also did a music video for a song called Fish Heads. Kung Fu is scheduled to start shooting in China next summer. Why don't they just dig David Carradine's corpse up and dress him as fucking Kwai Chang and do that? 
nobody gives a shit about Kung Fu, especially if Bill Paxton is directing it. Not to say that he sucks, but it's just something that nobody's going to care about. Nobody. Kung Fu was good because it was great for cable. Does it have box office appeal? Probably not. The same can be said for the 21 Jump Street trailer I posted today. Definitely not our 21 Jump Street from when we were growing up. Fucking Channing Tatum and freaky looking skinny Jonah Hill running around cursing up a storm pretending to be cops. It's like one part Pineapple Express, one part Superbad. That's my that's my quick review of that trailer. I recommend you check it out and form your own assumptions. It's been announced that Amanda Seyfried is going to be playing Linda Lovelace. For those of you that don't know, Linda Lovelace, uh, Linda Lovelace, wow, what a fuck up that was. Linda Lovelace is an uh, an adult film actress known for the 1972 film Deep Throat. It also the movie's going to follow her fall and subsequent rebirth into a feminine into a feminist anti-porn activist. It's going to also have Stellan Sarsgaard playing her husband Chuck Trainer. This isn't the movie that Lindsay Lohan was originally scheduled to do, to do. This is another Linda Lovelace movie. Inferno is the other one which now has Malin Ackerman from Watchmen playing Linda Lovelace. So we're going to see two different movies about Linda Lovelace real soon. I don't know about Amanda Seyfried playing any kind of a porn star. Personally, I think she looks like a clownfish like Nemo. Uh, you know, she's cute, I guess. But porn star material? Nah, not so much. I think this is one of those moments where Lindsay Lohan needs to be in a movie because she can play the the, the struggling porn star <laughs> better than anyone at this point. But that's a story for another day. Now... We have a couple of what-the-fuck movie news stories, and I want to just share this one with you guys. And I know Dark Helmet's in the chat, and I know he's probably multitasking on Facebook and all this other shit. But when he hears this pl- this movie plot, his head will probably explode in flames, and his house will probably burn to the ground from just the sheer rage that he will have when I share this with you guys. Anyway... Basically, there's a movie coming out called Warm Bodies. It's a romantic comedy based on a novel that shares the same name. Now, Warm Bodies, you would think it's a romantic comedy. You know, it's going to be something cute and something silly. Oh, no. This is a romantic comedy centered around zombies. The same way Twilight is centered around shiny vampires. And we have zombies now i saw the poster for it and i wanted to vomit but if you want to see it do yourselves a favor look up warm zom- warm bodies zombies poster and you can see the the fruitness for yourself but i just want to read this plot synopsis to you guys because it is truly truly fucking newspaper litter box fodder r is a young man with an existential crisis he is a zombie He shuffles through an America destroyed by war, social collapse, and the mindless hunger of his undead comrades. But he craves something more than the blood and brains that all zombies crave. He can speak just a few grunted syllables, but his inner life is deep, full of wonder and longing. He has no memories, no identity, and no pulse. But he has dreams. I'm actually shedding a tear as I read this. After experiencing a teenage boy's memories while consuming his brain, 
R makes an unexpected choice that begins a tense, awkward, and strangely sweet relationship with the victim's human girlfriend. Julie is a blast of color in the dreary and gray landscape that surrounds R. His decision to protect her will transform not only R, but his fellow dead, and perhaps their whole lifeless world. Scary, funny, and surprisingly, surprisingly poignant. Warm Bodies is about being alive, being dead, and the blurry line in between. I kid you not, that is the plot. Basically, shuffle-footed Zero eats brain of teen and decides to develop relationship with living guy's girlfriend. Yeah, that sounds about right. With zombies. I don't understand how funny it's going to be. Brains. Do you want to fuck? I have no penis. Uh, shuffle foot, shuffle foot. Uh, ha ha ha. I said penis. Seriously, has, has it come to that? A romantic comedy with zombies? With fucking zombies! <sighs> and I see Dark Helmet is holding. I'm sure he is pumped to talk about the beautiful and special film, Warm Bodies. Dark Helmet, what do you got, brother? So, basically, what this is, you're taking the Jersey Shore and Beavis and Butthead, putting them in zombie makeup and making a romantic comedy out of it for 90 minutes. But here's the crazy thing. If they're saying in the plot synopsis that the zombie can barely speak, what the fuck kind of dialogue are you going to get? Uh, uh, are you hungry? Oh my goodness. Uh, uh, do you need to go to the bathroom? Uh, like, come on, man. the fuck out of here. Things like, you look not so decomposed. And then as like all the zombie girls are like, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, but they'll be like, really like, eh. and like, who knows? They're like, I've got rigor mortis, baby. You know, stupid shit like that you could probably get away with. But I want to be like, oh god, it's ridiculous. Well, before you even you, that deserves the following. Oh my god! Ah! 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 Oh, that's better. Exactly. That's what that deserves. Because it, it, it's... It, who who comes up with this shit? A, a zombie romantic comedy. I, I can't, dude. There's no, there's no legitimate way to even re- make that remotely appealing. Remotely. Like, I can understand... I can understand you could romanticize vampires. You can romanticize werewolves. But... They're fucking corpses. What's he gonna do? Kiss her and his lip is gonna fall off? Like, how's that gonna work? Seriously, well, I mean, unless it's some sort of sick, twisted girl, like, like they do, like, oh, some goth girl, or not her, or whatever, some crazy girl who has this, like, fetish for zombies or whatever, and then she finds one that she, she can relate to, or, and he's trying to not eat her brain, so she feeds him brains of somebody else. I don't know, dude. 
<laughs> you can't, dude. You can't. As much as you're trying to to reach with this movie, dude. If you look at the poster, the guy, the the girl looks nowhere near goth. She looks like a chick you bump into in the mall, and he's like the Edward Cullen of zombies. Oh. Oh yeah, it's it's. It, I'm telling you, do the homework. Look up the poster. You're gonna you're you're not gonna know what to do with yourself. I think I'm actually gonna post the the poster on the fan page because it's just that foul. Wow. Yeah, dude, it's that bad. Anything else you want to add? Well, you know what? While I have you on the phone, since you're you know you're you're involved with Universal Studios, I wanted to share this with you. The president of Universal Films recently spoke to the Savannah College of Art and Design and decided to really just take the opportunity to shit on all the movies Universal puts out. One movie in particular he cited was The Wolfman. He goes, we make a lot of shitty movies. Every one of them breaks my heart. We set out to make good ones. One of the worst movies we ever made was The Wolfman. Wolfman and Babe 2 are two of the shittiest movies we ever put out. And by the same token, we made movies we believe in. We did United 93, which is one of the movies I am most proud of. It wasn't a big moneymaker, but it's a film I believe every American should see. And it showed you that people, well, it showed you that what people can do in the worst of times and how great the human spirit can be and all that. So there are moments that can make up for all the junk that you make. He said this. Wow. This is the this is the head of uh, of of your of your company pretty much saying like yeah the Wolfman sucked dicks, Babe two complete horse shit. I figured you guys should know that they sucked. We're sorry. <laughs> hey, at least he's honest. Well, given given the fact that Universal has so many properties out there, I I mean the Wolfman. I personally didn't feel the Wolfman was that terrible. Well, I also ended up seeing the unrated version, which was far more gruesome and far more bloody. That's usually how it goes. I just looked at the image that Slick posted, the warm bodies, and yeah, my mind is just full of what the fuck right now. There you go. I told you, dude. It's 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 so fantastic. Yeah, she's like a decent-looking chicken. He's a zombie. That's the the Edward Cullen zombie, man. Get ready. Get ready. You're going to start seeing warm bodies bags and Hot Topic. You're going to see, you know, I was bitten by a zombie and I'm in love. Oh, you know it's coming. You know it's coming, dude. And now they're actually going to try and find a way like, oh, well, how are they going to have... What if happens if they have babies? Will they be alive? Will they be zombie? Will they be half zombie, half human? No, it just... No. I'd laugh. I'd laugh if he just dropped his pants and there was no dick, just worms and dirt. Slick Slick put a comment in, in the in the chat that's very apropos, but I will not share it with the audience. But but um what? yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. You got anything else to add, bro? No, that's good. Oh right wait. Now. Wait till you hear the next bit of What the Fuck movie news. You'll love this. Oh, boy. All right. See ya. All right. So, of course, Universal's Universal's Ron Mayer shitted on shit on The Wolfman and Babe 2. But 
that's not all the what the fuck movie news we have. Besides the zombie romantic comedy, it seems that they are going to do a new animated Popeye film using the a similar style that they did with the Smurfs. The Smurf screenwriters Jay Sherrick and David Ron will be writing a screenplay, and it's going to be done in stereoscopic 3D for the Popeye animated project. Uh, Sherrick and Ron have a remarkable talent in re-energizing beloved characters, according to Bob Osher, who is the president of Sony Pictures. They demonstrated this with the Smurfs. They embrace the iconic characteristics of these timeless characters and craft a story that really engages moviegoers today. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. The Smurfs was... Meh. That's about all I can use to describe it. Meh. Huh, well. Animated Popeye flick. Expect it. All that beautiful work Robin Williams did years ago. Tossed away for an animated, probably poorly done version of a character that many of us grew up watching. We'll see how that pans out. Oh, we got, we got some whitewashing news for you. Variety reports that Warner Brothers is currently speaking with Garrett Hedlund from Tron Legacy to play the role of Kaneda in Akira's live-action adaptation. Kaneda, as you know, is the leader of the biker gang who has to save a friend who's been given psychokinetic abilities. For the live adaptation, they will be doing it in New Manhattan instead of Neo-Tokyo, as it was in the manga and in the, 1990, the 1988 animated film. So that's where we are at, folks. The whitewashing has begun. Garrett Hedlund, who is not Asian, is playing the role of Kaneda, who is Asian in Akira, which is based on an anime. Yeah. I see this being another Dragon Ball Z live-action disaster. I'm sure that's 99% what it's going to be, but... I will reserve judgment until we see some more casting, but something tells me they're going to whitewash the entire movie. It's going to be akin to Blade Runner and countless other futuristic failures that they throw out there. The fans are going to be mad. The purists are going to be upset. They won't do another one, and they'll learn their lesson, and they'll wait another 10 years before they grab another anime property and Americanize it. I don't know. Maybe Sailor Moon. Why don't we just go with that? Sailor Moon with non-Asian chicks. Let's do let's do that live action and they all go to a prep school and their talking cats are all CGI. Just do that because that'll probably be just as shitty as a whitewashed version of Akira is going to be. Period. Lastly, we're going to close out the movie news with with a piece that I am so proud of because it's the ultimate what the fuck movie news. And if Dark Helmet hasn't slit his wrists in the chat room, he will now. Deadline.com reports that Walden Media has just acquired the movie rights to Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. Ho ho ho, before you get all excited about a Carmen Sandiego film, listen to the rest of this. Jennifer Lopez is supposed to be producing the film and it is speculated that Lopez will also star in the film. But nothing has been confirmed as of yet with regards to her only being a producer. So there you have it folks, J-Lo may possibly be Carmen Sandiego. I mean, she wears the big-ass hats all the time, so it's not a fucking stretch, but what what are you going to do? The only way that I can see this working is if they decide to, you know, do it like we all know and love from, from the game show. Either that, or you really want to do something along the lines of what they used to do with, uh, 
Lynn, what was it? Lynn Thigpen, I believe, was her name. And, um, who the hell was it? Lynn Thigpen and the three guys singing at the end. Because that's, that's what you need. That is what you need for success. You need Lynn Thigpen and you need the, uh, the guys fucking singing the song. That's it. Because, seriously, knowing, knowing Hollywood the way I do, they're gonna probably end up having J-Lo fucking, uh, singing the stupid shit at the end. Because, why not? They'll probably have some weirdo version of those guys singing at the end of the movie, or they'll do some hip-hop version. It's, it's gonna, it's gonna suck. It is really gonna suck. Because, at this point, why don't we just do a Where's Waldo's a Where a Where's Waldo movie? Wow, I fucking chewed that that line up. I suck. <laughs> Seriously, a Where's a Where's Waldo movie, and I don't know, make Woody Allen play Waldo, because that at this point, what else what else can you rape and pillage from my childhood? Why not? Just do that. We could do Woody Allen, and uh, we'll have him play Waldo. Or have his Asian stepdaughter slash wife slash girlfriend play his Waldo's wife, and she'll just be running around looking for them. Why don't we just do that? But I figured that the only way to close out this this particular segment and close out the show would be by trying to find the Where in Carmen San Diego's theme music. Do we have it? Let's find out. <laughs> Yeah, I figured that would be the apropos way to close it out. And as you can see, this isn't even the TV show version, but this will be exactly how it's going to sound when the credits roll. And they'll probably have some 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 sound clips in there and J-Lo singing the hook. That's what she'll do. She'll sing the hook that the guy with the deep voice sang. We'll just do that. And besides, J-Lo, big hats, trench coats, it works. It's guaranteed a blockbuster. Well, guys... That wraps up the show for this week. It's it's fitting that I close it out with with that shit because man is that gonna suck. And yes, Slick reminded me that In Living Color is coming back and it is definitely gonna be nowhere near as magical as it was when we were growing up. I can guarantee you on that. What are they gonna do? Try and get J Lo to be a dancer, which is exactly what Slick put in there. I I can't even I can't even go into it. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Alright guys, you've just heard My Take Radio, episode 114, for Thursday, November 3rd, 2011. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of MTR, hit me up, send me an email, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash mytakeradio. You can also follow us on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash MyTakeRadio. Become a fan. We're almost at 1,700. If you have any questions about the show, comics, movies, any of the shit that we cover, you can ask it on Formspring. Formspring.me forward slash MyTakeRadio. You can listen to MyTakeRadio on Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, iTunes, 
Blueberry, Zune Marketplace, Blackberry Podcast. But you can also take MTR with you to go by picking up the My Take Radio app for Android and iOS devices. It'll run you $1.99. You can pick up the Android the Android apps in the Amazon Marketplace or in the regular Android Marketplace for iOS devices. You can just look for that on iTunes. You can stream episodes of MTR without any MP3s needed from the Stitcher app. If you go to stitcher.com forward slash my take and enter the my take promo code, you'll be entered to win a $100 gift card. Last but not least, make sure that if you are getting the show from iTunes, take a second, rate us, help us move up the rankings. Um, I think that at this point, you don't need to write a review to put a star rating. So if you are using iTunes to get episodes of MTR, we'd really appreciate it. If you want to get an MTR shirt, head over to the MTR shop tab on MyTakeRadio.com. You can get shirts there. We also have an Amazon affiliate shop where you can get the latest games, movies, Blu-rays, gadgets, and any of the other stuff we talk about on the show handled straight by Amazon. But by by purchasing it through the affiliate store, you'll be able to help us out all the same. Make sure to check that out, Amazon affiliate tab on MyTakeRadio.com. I will catch you guys next week. Hopefully we'll have a guest. We'll see. We'll see. I'm working on some stuff. I will keep you guys posted. Until then, be on the lookout for tons of stuff on MyTakeRadio.com, also on our Facebook fan page, and look for us with some crazy shit on Twitter. I'm out. Thanks for listening. Peace. I think we're going to go with the Vega stage music from the OC Remix uh, Street Fighter 2 Turbo HD soundtrack. Peace.